This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. Awesome. Good to see you this morning, church. Fantastic. Excited to start a new series, but it's good to see everybody. Especially, you know, people travel a long way to be at Life Church on Sunday morning. A really long way. Some have come from Brazil. Welcome. Amanda Green's mum and dad visiting. You're very welcome. Great to see you. Bless you. Wonderful. Uh, Nanda will interpret that. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. So, you know, that's an effort, right? So the least we can do this morning, if someone's come from Brazil, is to lean in and listen and learn together. Because we're starting a new series, and I'm very excited about a new series from the Gospel of Mark. We've had a whole bunch from the Old Testament, because we actually believe all the Bible is important. And, uh, but, but I'm especially excited about this uh, series uh, from, from the book of Mark. Mark's Gospel is the briefest of the Gospels. It was the first one that, that was out there, the first one that was produced. It's, it's almost when you read it as if Mark was in a rush to get the message out. He was kind of determined to say, this news about Jesus needs to be out there, and I'm going to do what I can to get it out there. Reminds us of our responsibility to keep on doing that, to get the message out so that people can find out about Jesus for themselves. And uh, right there in Mark chapter 1, verse 1, he, he starts his gospel with a very strong statement. He says this, this is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. So he's saying to the world, this is very good news. And this is the good news that will change you. This is the good news about the long-awaited Messiah, the anointed one who has come to live, to die, and to come back for those who love him. He's getting the message out there very, very quickly. He's determined. There's an urgency in what he says. He's not kind of waiting with some sort of big preamble on his gospel. It's straight there. This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. And my prayer for this series, and our prayer as we've been uh, praying about, thinking about this and, and preparing for this, is that each of us, me included, would get a greater understanding about who Jesus is. So that's the target, right? That is totally the goal. Now, you may have been a Christian a lot of years and know a lot about the Bible. I still actually believe that there's the potential for all of us to learn more about God. Whether being Christian for a long time or a short time, there's a potential for us to learn more and more and more. So that's the aim. So over the next few weeks in our new series, Reading Mark, Meeting Jesus, I want you to really meet with Jesus. I want you, well, I already have done. Well, I want you to know him better. And I want you to know him in a deeper way. I want you to have a bigger understanding of who Jesus is and how much he loves you, how much he cares about you, how much he's got a plan for you, how much he's committed to you, how much he never gives up on you. I want you to understand more and more of that and more about of who he is. Because as our understanding increases of his divinity, that means he's, he's God and he's 100% God. As we have a, a greater understanding of that, then it just strengthens us, it encourages us, it equips us to live the lives that God has called us to live. So I'm actually believing, I'm not just hoping, right? I'm not just kind of 
throwing it out there. I'm believing that we'll together have a greater understanding of who Jesus is through this series. Now, I want you to, I've said it once, but I'll say it again. I want you to really kind of grasp it. I want you to lean in. I want you to take notes. I want you to think about it. I want you to listen to, again, perhaps to the podcast. I want you to get in a life group and, and talk it through and, and debate it and, and stretch it and, and, and you know, question and, and just kind of get your head around who Jesus is. And that is my stated aim, our stated aim on this series. Because when we come to Life Church, you might think, you know, nice people, friendly people, warm welcome. Pastor's a really nice guy. (laughs) Stuff like that. Um, Self-praise is no recommendation. But you might think some of those kind of things, hopefully all and more of those things. But let me tell you, what we want you to do is to meet Jesus. We want you to know Jesus for yourself because nice people, it's great to have good friends. Uh, I, I thank God for all, all my friends and, and family who I love and care about and who care about me and all of that. And I, I, I need all the friends I can get. You, you might be able to exist in isolation, but I personally need all the friends I can get. And so I like that, but there's more to it than that. It's not just a community of friends. It's a community of faith. It's a community of worshipers. It's a community of people who are devoted to Jesus, a community of people who are learning about Jesus together. And in our journey of faith, in our journey of discovery of who Jesus is, there's so much more, more, more to understand. So as you get in the Word of God and you you participate with this series, I'm absolutely believing you will have a bigger understanding of who Jesus is. How do you know more about God? Well, through his word, we read the word, but by revelation. Now, I want you to to grasp this as well. Revelation is not just for clever people, right? Revelation is not just for theologians. Revelation is not just for people who spend years and years and years studying the Bible and are somehow a bit better than us. That isn't true. That's not right. Revelation is for all of us. We can all understand the Word of God. We can all learn more about God. We can all have revelation. And then we also understand and have a deeper understanding of who Jesus is by experience. Now, we don't base, all of our, we don't base our theology on experience. We base it on the Word of God. But experience is the wor- outworking of what the Bible says about Jesus. So the only way you can experience it is to trust Him. The only way you can know how long-suffering Jesus is, God is, is by trusting him. The only way you know that God can be trusted is to trust him. So we've got to get into all of this kind of stuff by revelation and by experience. So I pray that you will study. I pray that you will have revelation. And I pray that you will also put that into practice and start living the life that God has called us all to live, that's not just for a a select few, but it's for all of us. And an understanding and a deeper knowledge of God is for each and every person. We don't use knowledge against people. We use knowledge to help people. We don't get to a position where we, well, I'm I'm a Bible expert, so you sit at my feet. No, we use that to empower and equip and to encourage other people. And I want you, I want us all to kind of grasp that. Mark's gospel emphasizes two important characteristics of Jesus, I believe. First of all, his authority as son of God. His authority as the Son of God. Very important. You can't get anything done around here without authority. If you know somebody who has authority, 
you know, you, you, you can kind of try all sorts of things to get something done. Well, let's not pick on the council, because there'll be councillors in, so we won't pick on the council. But just imagine that you wanted something done down your street. If you know your councillor, and if you know a few people like that, maybe at the council, you can get a bit more done. So it's authority that gets things done. So when we pray to God, we know that He has uh, given Jesus the authority to answer the prayers. He has the authority, he, can get, he has the power, I should say, to get things done. So just think of that. And also, it's, about, it's all about his compassion in his service to people. Now, we see the miracles. It's important, people, there's loads of books written about servant-hearted leadership or servant leadership. There isn't any other kind that's acceptable in the world of God. Because leadership is always to help people uh, not to lord it over, but to equip people. So, reading Mark, meeting Jesus, who Jesus is, is the key. I'm going to read a, a famous C.S. Lewis quote that many of you have heard before, but it, it kind of emphasizes the fact again that the key here is who is Jesus. So, here we go. C.S. Lewis, Lewis says, and uh, it'll be easier to know what he said with my glasses, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying that the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would have to be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make the choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let not us come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us he did not intend to. Very clearly, Jesus claimed to be God the Son. He absolutely, he, he laid it out there. You know, people will tell you, well, I read the Bible, you know, I don't know whether that's true, and maybe he was just a good man. But clearly, Jesus made that clear. And Mark, at the beginning of his gospel, said, this is God, the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. So he left us with absolutely no doubt that he believed, and that was the message. And when you read the book of Mark, as we will do over the next few weeks, and, and I encourage you to study that for yourself and read it through a few times, and well, I've got this daily reading plan, I don't want to mess with that. Well, fine, fine do that as well. And, and let's read and study Mark together. The idea that three or 400 people are studying the same book at the same time there's, there's got to be some strength in that. Yeah. We could get really lucky and God could speak to us. No, He will. He absolutely will. In unity, in one accord, studying His Word, God will speak to us. So that's the Gospel of Mark. And several times in the Gospel of Mark, He uses the word immediately. This is a man on a mission, a man in a hurry to get the message out and to show that Jesus did things. He didn't just talk about good things. He actually also did this thing. So, and also we see, and I believe, as I'm setting this series up a little bit this morning, I believe a key verse in the book of Mark is, is chapter 10 and verse 45, which says this. And this, 
this tells you so much about Jesus and why he came and what, what, it's, what the gospel is all about. It says, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, that's so uh, key as a scripture because we've already stated that we believe Jesus to be God the Son. But even though he had all of that authority, he had all of that position, he had all of that uh, opportunity, he had all of that privilege, if you want to put it that way, he still came to serve, not to be served. He still gave to, came to give his life, not to take from people. He came to, to serve, not to be served, and he gave to give his life as a ransom or in exchange for us. So he came to give his life, to buy us back to God. That's what the gospel is all about. And every passage in Mark, every miracle, every conversation, every action points back to Jesus being who he said he was and his authority as the Son of God, or God the Son. So when we reading Mark, meeting Jesus, our emphasis in this series is going to be on what was said about him. What, and you will see in different sort of accounts over the next few weeks and different instances where Jesus were, re- interacted with people and he healed people and he helped people and he fed people and all that kind of thing. It was interesting to see what people said about him. And ultimately, what really matters in a big sense on a personal note is what we say about him. Who is Jesus to you? Is he just a good man? Or is he God the Son? Is he just a, a kind person? Or is he, is he your Savior? There's a lot more to it than just the academic or, or the historical note of it. So we're going to draw truth about Christ's divinity, that in being God the Son, we're going to draw a lot of that from these, these scriptures. But the first thing I want to do is look at what God the Father said about him. So this week we're going to look at that, what God said about him. Now last week was Father's Day. And uh, I had the excuse to um, tell a number of dad jokes, but I've been banned this week. Um, oh, thank you. There's only Bryony that even cares. But, uh, so I, I, won't, I won't be doing that. But it was interesting when we saw an example last week of the perfect father. God the Father being the perfect father. And an example to us and an example for us to follow uh, and and you, can, you can check that out if you haven't already done so. But let's start off in Mark chapter 1, and we'll, we'll read a few verses there from uh, and what we'll come to verse 11 when we see what his father says about him. So from verse 1, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. So John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair, just like what you'd like a maid to, to, to dress like, I think. With a leather belt around his waist, he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. What a character. Eh? This guy was, was a dude. I mean, he was a character. This was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I will not worthy to stoop down and untie. He said, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you 
with the Holy Spirit. So here's he's setting the scene. We're going to read the next couple of verses in just a moment. Setting the scene. This is what's happening. There's John the baptizer. That wasn't, it wasn't his surname. It's what he did. John the Baptist. He baptized people. So he was baptizing people saying, repent, turn to God. But someone's coming that's better than me. I love this guy. It, his ministry wasn't about him. It was about the one who was coming. And our ministry, you know, I want to be a preacher, I want to be this, I want to be that. That, If God puts that to your heart, fantastic. But it must never be about you. It has to be about him. So John's pointing the way uh, to, to Jesus. And Jesus said some great things about him that John never even heard. It just wasn't fair, was it? But John, it wasn't about his all affirmation. It was about preparing the way. So here's John preparing the way, baptizing people. And then in verse 9, it says this. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. God the Son was baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. So there was a, an express manifestation of the presence of God. Kind of difficult to understand what it looked like. It's not like a, a tear in the sky and like a literal door opens, but there was an incredible presence of God at that moment. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open, the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven said this, You are my Son... Who I love, with you I am well pleased. How about that, hearing that from your father? You are my son, who I love, with you I am well pleased. How about hearing that from your father as a daughter? You are my daughter, who I love, with you I am well pleased. So Jesus had affirmation from his father. He had an acknowledgement, this is my son, I'm proud of him. This is my son, I love him. This is my son, I'm pleased with him. And God was pleased with Jesus before he did anything. That's at the start of his ministry. Check this out, right? God is pleased with you if if you're a believer in Jesus, not because of what you've done or may do in the future, but right now, he pleads with you, he loves you, he cares about you, he's devoted with you. When he looks at you, he said, this is my son, this is my daughter, who I love. And I'm pleased with him. I'm not always pleased with some of the daft things we do, and the silly you know, things we wish we hadn't done, and God, but God forgives us with that. But overarching, this is, the, this is, get this, catch this, he is pleased with you, he loves you. Uh, and uh, it's, he acknowledges you as his son and his daughter, which I think is absolutely fantastic, wonderful. This is my son who I love, with whom I am well pleased. He said, you are my son. He identified himself with him. I love that. This is not just a good person who I have chosen. He's so good, I'll call him a son. I, I'll adopt him as a son. No, this is my first begotten son. This is my son. This is God the Son. This is the Word that became flesh. This is the Word who existed at the same time as God the Father, in line with God. At the very beginning, the Word was with God, the Bible tells us, John 1.1. 1, 1. And so, he's affirming that this is my son. He's affirming that he loves him. It's a wonderful thing. Is there anything better to hear than when someone tells you that they love you. I don't know that there is. It's a wonderful thing. 
It's a wonderful thing. Say that to my grandson. Uh, I love you, Ezra. Uh, he says, yep. <laughs> because he's used to hearing it. And, but sometimes when he says it back, oh, it's good. Now, you, you say, well, I don't have anybody right now that tells me that they love me. Listen to what your Heavenly Father says. This is my son. This is my daughter who I love. With you, I'm well pleased. I'm proud of you. I delight in you. I think you're wonderful. Nothing else. How good is that? Who I love, the Father loves the Son. With you, I am well pleased. The Father was proud of the Son. Why is this? Because when God looked at his Son, he saw the embodiment, the the, the representation, the image of who he was. Colossians 2.9 says, In Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So when God, the, the Father, looks at the Son, he sees a representation of himself. Just Try and, try and kind of help you with that in my limited way to try and help you with that. Think about this. Jesus is God the Son. He was uh, f- the first begotten, the Bible says, not, crea- not created. He was the fullness. He was 100% God. He was the image of God. He represented God. He was the equal with God. He always existed. And the Bible so- tells us that God, all, God the Father always had a representation of himself. He didn't, just, he didn't create it. He was co-existent with him. God the Son. The Father loves the Son. Colossians 1 tells us about Jesus being the image of the invisible God. So when we look at Jesus, we see what the Father is like. So anything, any, any kind of picture or image you get of the love of God and through Jesus, demonstrated through Jesus... That, 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 that opens a window to us to see and to understand how wonderful God is and how devoted is He is. Message Bible puts Colossians 1.15 like this. When you look at the Son, you see the God who can't be seen. So the fa- Jesus is God the Son. The Father loves the Son. God has joy in His own perfections in seen in His Son. Think about it. If you're a parent, then you... Look at your kids. You, no one, 99, you know, I know there are exceptions to this, but for most of us, we don't think our kids are perfect, but we love them. And no one had to tell us to love them. And as soon as they're born, there's something that happens. There's a connection there because we see something of ourselves in them. With God, it's much bigger than that and much greater than that because God sees his perfections in his son, not in a self-serving way, but in a sense of this is a greatness, this is goodness, this is love manifested because the Bible says God is love. And when God the Father sees the son, he sees his love demonstrated through Jesus. So grasp this, he absolutely loves the fact, he absolutely delights in his son because he sees his plan in action of rescuing you and me. He sees that his love demonstrated through his son. He sees that the, 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 the wit, you know, we sang earlier, love wins because it does and it reaches out to people and resurrects people and restores people and brings people back. Jesus is God the son. The father loves the son. And Jesus was the only one good enough, perfect enough to give his life 
for our ransom, for, to buy us back. So when God sees a son, he loves a son, but he loved him from the beginning of time, before time itself. So the father loves the son because of who he is. Wonderful. I love it. In the same way, as I've said, God is pleased with us. We don't have to work to get God's love. Sometimes when we mess up, we think, you know, God, I'm really sorry I've messed up here. But always remember that God is ready to forgive you. Always remember that God's ready to restore you. Always remember that God has a, still has a plan for your life. It's not one strike, two strike, or, or whatever. It is that God loves you. You are my son who I love. With you, I am well. I am well pleased. I am well pleased. I am totally delight. I totally take delight in you. You know, maybe you need to go home and stand in front of a mirror. Not because you look like you haven't done that already, but and, and stand in front of a mirror and speak these words to yourself to, 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 to remind yourself of the, the fact that God absolutely loves you. You know, sometimes we look on, you may look on, on, on social media, on Facebook or Twitter, and everyone else has got a fantastic life. It's just like they have the amazing life. They've got hundreds of friends, and uh, the social life is just out there. It's just amazing. Where did I go wrong? Well, the only way you went wrong was believing what you saw on social media. That's not like that. We have our ups and downs. We have our challenges. We have our difficulties. They're just putting some highlights out there. Don't believe the hype, but understand that God loves you unconditionally, that God never quits on you. You didn't do any, you didn't go wrong. I love the song that, that, that we sing. Uh, one of my favorites right now with the line is, I am who you say I am. And that's so powerful because I am a son of God. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. And if you came here, this, whatever reason you came here today, I want you to grasp this. I want, I want, you, I want you to get hold of this because God says, I love you. I'm pleased with you. And God wants you to absolutely understand that that is the case. We will hear on, on, on different occasions over these next few weeks of what people said about him. But number one, his father said about him, this is my son who I love, with whom I am well pleased. And just grasp the fact that that also goes with us. When God looks at every believing Christian, that's the, he's saying the same thing. I love you. I care for you. I am devoted to you. Not because of what you've done, but because of Jesus. Not because of that you've impressed him or you've earned something from him. No, because of Jesus. And when we look at the, when we look at the Son, we see an image, a representation of who God absolutely is. And you know, if I had time this morning, I could walk around this room and I could tell you to your face that God loves you. I could, I could call you by name. But you see, I don't need to do that. I'm just pointing to the fact that God loves you, that God cares about you. And I want you to get a grasp and an understanding of the wholeness of God, the greatness of God, the, 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 the long-suffering of God, the devotion of God, the, the unlimited love that God gives to us. And the ultimate question is, who do you say 
Sometime Jesus said to his disciples, he said, who do you say that I am? And that's a question that we all want to, we all need to get to a point where we can answer. Is he just a good man? Is he, is he an example to you? Is he somebody, or is a good teacher? Is somebody I can follow? You know, there's some good principles there in Christianity. I like the sound of that. No, he's more than that. He's your savior. In reading Mark, I want you really to meet Jesus. I want you to meet him in a greater way than you've ever known. I want you to know him more than you've ever known. Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.